Our gospel lesson this morning is found in John, the very first chapter, beginning at verse 29 and going through verse 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth. And the meditation of all of our hearts, you who are our rock, our strength, our redeemer. Amen. In the musical version of Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, the character Fantine sings a sorrowful song about a disappointment of her life called I Dreamed a Dream. The song begins with the words, I dreamed a dream in time gone by when hopes were high and life worth living. She goes on to describe her youthful vigor as she chases after pleasure and fun she falls in love with a man who is older than she, and after spending a summer together, she finds herself unexpectedly pregnant, and he walks out. 
being a single mom in the 19th century France meant it was going to be difficult to survive. She worked in a factory for a while. Then she was fired because the foreman found out about the child. She then sold her hair and the fillings in her teeth to pay the rent. And finally, she had nothing but herself to sell. At the end of the play, she's on the streets, a hollow shell of what she once was. Eventually, she dies from disease, and her song ends with the words, I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living, so different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. While the circumstances may be different for many of us today, there are plenty of souls here who would sing that song understanding that life is often filled with more disappointment and pain than we were prepared to imagine. Anyone who has tried adulting, as they say now, knows that life happens, that our choices, plans, and dreams are not reliable sources or resources in having a meaningful life, nor are they the strength we need in the rough spots of our lives. Now, I'm sure you would expect a pastor to say with confidence that God is the one who gets us through. And in saying that, I would absolutely mean it. What we may not know is just how hard God has to work to get us to know it and to put our trust in him. In the second Sunday of Epiphany, the season that reminds us that God chose to put flesh on for this very reason, God, big G, big O, big D, in human form, the real presence of a divine God in a true human body. If we aren't convinced, this second Sunday of Epiphany walks us right in to John the Baptist. His gospel gets right down to business. There are no birth narratives, no parables, and miracles are simply described as signs, so we would not mistake them for the more real thing. John would not have us be confused for a moment. He signals a high alert. Jesus is God, and Jesus is on a divine mission to transform this world. In our very first chapter this morning, there are four days 
represented. Pastor Bob preached last week on the first two. Day one, when the priests, Levites, and Pharisees come out from Jerusalem to question John about his identity. Are you the Messiah? Elijah the prophet? And what about this baptizing stuff? Day two, Jesus comes out to be baptized by John and receives the power of the Holy Spirit. The heavens open and John is hearing, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Day three, John standing with his two disciples sees Jesus coming and he goes, heads up folks, this is the Lamb of God, the one that takes away the sins of the world. That's the very day that folks stopped following John and started following Jesus. Day four, Jesus goes with his new disciples to Galilee. This next two verses, not in our scripture this morning, but he continues toward Galilee, recruiting Philip and Nathaniel next and teaches them that they will see and experience even greater things. Can you imagine? What do we know? We know from our scripture that John is not the one we're looking for. But he does point to whom we are looking. In a moment, believing that Jesus is the one we've been looking for changed the world then, and it has the same power to change our worlds today. Why did Jesus come? John says it was to remove the sins of the world. Not so much the sins of personal choices and wrongs, so much as the human condition in which we find ourselves. Those things that keep us looking in all the wrong places. Those things that tear us apart and allow us to think that fighting and violence are the solutions, those sins of the world. John points to Jesus this morning as the one in whom we are to put our faith, the one to plant our hopes with, the one that can address the wounds of us and the world, and the only one, the only one that can put the dream back into your life. Understand, it is into the chaos of our lives and to the chaos of the world that John says as clearly and as plainly as he can, Jesus is the one you're looking for. Not a nice idea, not the latest guru, not just a learned teacher, we needed a savior, and God gave us one. Roger Nishioka 
is a seminary professor and he says he loves to teach seminary. He loves watching the students study and their minds get bigger as they reflect on the scripture. He loves watching them discover their call to ministry and working toward understanding how their gifts and graces are gonna be lived out in the life of the church. The hard part for him, he says, is graduation. Because the vast majority of students graduating from seminary get the Master of Divinity degree. He says this, even on the best of days, that's a fairly audacious claim. Master of the Divine some of them, he says, I can tell you actually believe it. <laughs> That's the ones you should be nervous about. <laughs> Students, he says, should receive that degree with a gold seal that says, in progress, or by the grace of God. Isn't there danger in thinking we know Jesus so well that you should follow me? He says that uh, as his life was going on, he was in a teaching schedule and frame that just had him running stem to stern, very little uh, time down. It was a hectic pace, and a, a good friend of him called called him and said, let's go to lunch, it's urgent. So they go to lunch together and they sit down and he's just waiting for what that urgent is. And she says, I have good news for you. Perplexed, he says, what? She smiles and says, I want you to know the Messiah has come. Now he's even more perplexed, and she said, I have even better news for you. It's not you. <laughs> the world has been saved. Our problem most pointedly lies in thinking that somehow we are in charge of the world and that my dreams or my understandings are of ultimate importance and that my expectations for those dreams should somehow drive God's will. That's the sin that Jesus came to free us from and to put flesh on a God who can offer us and show us a better way. My friends, we've got a Messiah, the one who can and does save the world. So the question, the difficult question posed in our scripture really are two. One, who are we looking for? And once we figure that out, Jesus wants to know what 
we're looking for. I was driving through Gehanna this week and I'm always kind of fascinated by what bumper stickers people are willing to put on their cars. It says a lot, doesn't it? about what you can put on your car and have others read. Well, it was in cursive, and I couldn't quite make it out. We're in a light. I'm not following. I pull up to read it, and it says, do you follow Jesus this closely? (laughs) Great question. Because the right who we've been following is really important. John says very clearly, it's not me, it's Jesus. I was baptizing to get folks ready for the Lamb, and when Jesus came and came out of that water, it was God who said, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Are we not often overwhelmed with the voices shouting us to pay attention as if answers for our deepest desires could be found in humans or in human decisions that we make. John's gospel communicates that this Jesus is God's deep and loving yes to us, to the life within us. And following this Jesus leads us to our deepest and truest self. It's so easy to forget that we're made in the image of God, each and every one, that God is the very ground of our being. Our journey then in faith becomes one that designs and uncovers the reality that the presence of God is right here among us. In fact, within us. Some saints and mystics have described the presence as closer to me than I am to myself or more me than I am myself. You see, the Holy Spirit is totally given and equally given to all. That said, it's up to us to consciously consciously follow the one that we've been looking for. The one has been identified. Will we choose to follow the one? A week ago Thursday, I was at Bill Casto's funeral. Uh, Bill was a professor when I was in seminary, and his wife is uh, a part of my clergy cluster group. Bishop Joe Sprague, who is a colleague and contemporary of his time, uh, did the funeral sermon, and he made a comment that has stuck with me since. He said this, Bill has always lived in the heart of God, and when he died... He died in the heart of God, which means he now lives exactly where he always lived, in the heart of God. Who Bill knew, Bill knew rather, 
and followed was imprinted on a lifetime of ministry to the poor and to the marginalized, to the caring of the brokenness in the world. It was in his bones. He, know, he knew who. No wonder Jesus' next question is, what are you looking for? Now, we might believe that we all bear the divine image, but it is absolutely another thing to live into it. Culture, and sometimes our religious structure, I didn't say faith, teach us to live out of a false self. The one that is driven by reputation or self-image, roles, possessions, influence, appearance, or so on. It's only as these things fall away, as they always do, always, that we question our life choices and strategies. Therefore, there's a question in the scripture that bears our attention. Twice, John says the Holy Spirit descended and remained on Jesus. That verb, descended and remained, is the Greek word minnow, meaning to remain, to rest, to stay, to abide. It's used five different times in our verses. And in verse 38 and 39, it's used in reference to the disciples who asked Jesus, where is he staying? And they stay with him the night. If we were to translate that verb consistently, then the spirit abides or dwells with Jesus and the disciples ask him not merely where he's staying, but where his heart rests, where he lives, they in turn abide with him for the day. That would also help make sense of Jesus' question then. What are you seeking? And they reply something much more like, we'd like our hearts to stay where yours does. The recognition that this Messiah, the one that John has found, is someone to stay with, to live in. Oh, to live in the heart of God while we navigate this world. I read a review on Yelp this week. Yelp, as you can imagine, is a review of businesses, and being on Yelp can be a double-edged sword because there are people who give pretty blunt feedback. There was a donut shop in San Diego last November who got a one-star Yelp review. Now, it wasn't because of the donuts. They got it because Ray, a homeless man, tends to hang out around the establishment and the reviewer didn't like it. Ray, well known to the donut shop owner and its regulars, 
says that he's respectful and low-key and non-obtrusive. He has, uh, he's really becoming a part of the donut shop community, even though he doesn't have the resources to purchase items. This obviously put the owner, a guy by the name of Brad Keeler, in an uncomfortable position. So don't we say the customer's always right? Tough spot. But to say something like that would be to throw Ray under the bus. And he wasn't willing to do that. But he still wanted to acknowledge the review and the reviewer. So he did this. He said in the reviewer, to the reviewer, I understand how you feel. It's not easy to look at homelessness. I know I probably will lose some business, possibly yours too, because of my choice not to chase him away, but I won't. He's not looking for handouts, and he tries not to bother anyone. If you'd stop by and talk with him, maybe you'll come to like him too. Now that was a risk. Not only in terms of the one customer's reaction, but because Yelp is a public forum, would everyone see Keeler's response and weigh it negatively? Would it come with backlash? As you can imagine, the post went viral. People were understandably disappointed in the reviewer's lack of compassion and proud of Keeler for standing up for Ray. Now, I want you to think about it just a second. In all honesty, how many of us would have gone into the donut shop seeing Ray and would not feel similarly to the reviewer. First blush, at least uncomfortable, maybe a little judgmental. But with Keeler's response, a different frame is set. Now, there's no mention of faith whatsoever, but was not Keeler's response one that knows who God is and, one, and what he wants to serve? We know who drives his heart. He didn't blow off the reviewer or stick it to him. To me, his response was absolutely brilliant not defensive, nor snarky, or mean-spirited. He found a tactful way to say that homelessness, a child of God, is a difficult thing to bear witness to without saying there was anything wrong with Ray himself. In fact, he stood up for Ray in grace and strength. We know what he was looking for. A way to live into the heart of God. Isn't it funny that this exchange has led to a whole new group of customers, maybe because they're looking for the secret sauce 
that Brad Keeler has discovered. I was given a little picture that sits in my office and it says this, going to seminary is a lot like going to culinary school. You learn the basic foundations, some cool party tricks, and by the end you are prepared to make a gourmet meal. Pastoring, however, is waking up every day to a new episode of Chopped, (laughs) where the ingredients are randomly chosen and completely unexpected, and you're to do whatever you're handed with to do something and provide, excuse me, and that's done while everyone watches and provides running commentary and occasionally something explodes. <laughs> now there's not a one of you that hasn't, hasn't, couldn't read this in light of your education and then going and doing your job as well. But I have a dream of times not gone by, but a dream of a world where life can be an episode of Chopped, with its random ingredients and running commentary, and we find ourselves just as grounded and centered in the Savior who leads us that we could dream a dream in which the occasional explosion just happens. But we've learned to stay, to abide, to live out of the heart of God. We can do that now that we've found a Messiah. We have the one. Question is, what are we looking for? Thanks be to God. Amen.